Super Bowl Sunday, right? So it's a super Sunday, and uh, we're, we're here uh, this morning to uh, actually call it Vision Sunday. And Vision Sunday is our opportunity to share with you uh, just our vision as a church. And sometimes we've done this like in a congregational meeting at a separate time, but we wanted to do this on a Sunday morning just to get everybody fired up and on the same page with what God is doing, uh, what he's been doing, what he, uh, and what we hope that he is going to be doing through us you know, as we celebrate life together. How many of you know we're better together? Okay, and this is a spiritual family. And if you're visiting with us today, you know, the goal is for you to find a place where you can call that your spiritual home. We all have physical families, but God wants you to have a spiritual family. Uh, And the scripture is very clear that this is God's idea because every single one of us has something from God to contribute that other people will benefit from. Okay, and you need things that other people have, and you have something that other people need. And so God brings us together to learn how to live together, um, you know, as, as he, he is our head, but we are all brothers and sisters, and we're here to love each other, encourage each other, and build each other up. So that is the verse for today and for this week I want to share with you uh, at the top here. It's our memory verse. It's Ephesians 4.16, and uh, let's... Well, if you have your your log notes, it should be in there. It says, from him, which is Jesus. From Jesus, the whole body, which is us. So from Jesus, all of us, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows. Everybody say grows. And builds. Everybody say builds. So it grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Now, this is talking about people. This is talking about you and me. So today's message is we are growing and we are building ourselves up in love as each one of us does our part. That's what the church is right there. And you cannot completely grow up or completely be built up into who God's made you to be without the spiritual family. You can't do it. I know there's a lot of people, I've talked with a lot of people, you've talked with a lot of people, that say, oh yeah, I believe in God, but I don't need that church thing. I don't need religion, I don't need that, okay, I don't, I don't care about religion either, but you need, you need other believers in your life. You absolutely do, because this is not a man's organization. This is a Jesus Christ who is the head of the church, which is people, which is you and me. And you need a spiritual family. If you want to be built up, uh, and to be fully mature in what, who God's called you to be and what, how God wants to equip you uh, to do his purpose in your life. You cannot do it at home on your own just being uh, a Lone Ranger Christian. Can't do it. It's impossible. Sorry. So you need to come to that place where you are a part of a body, spiritual family. So many of you are part of this family. Some of you are looking for a family. And I pray that God will lead you and guide you till you find that place where you're like, I'm in. This is my family. All right? And you begin to give what God's put in your heart to give, and you're able to receive from others around you so that you can be who God's called you to be. All right? Can I get an amen that you agree with that? Okay, awesome. So that's what the Bible says. Let's meditate on that this weekend. Part of the challenge really is to make it personal and say, okay, so what is my part? What is my part in, this, in this, uh, this whole thing? It's easy to see this on Super Bowl Sunday because every uh, a guy who's on the field has an exact part to play. I mean, they've gone over it. All the plays. They call a play. Coach calls a play, which our coach is Jesus. 
and it goes into the quarterback's helmet. He huddles everybody up, and he says, it's play, whatever, da-da-da, half wing, this, that, twisting, what, flipping, flopping, whatever, okay? I don't know all those football lingo things. But when he says it, everybody knows, I go over here. I run this route. I block that person. I'm moving here. I'm dropping back. I'm grabbing the ball. Everybody knows every place that they are supposed to be and what they're supposed to do. But in the church, sometimes we forget we all have a part to play. Nobody here in this, in this place this morning is a spectator. You, you may feel like a spectator, like I'm up here talking, you're sitting there listening. It's more of a passive thing right now. But, but you're not. You are here to contribute. You contribute to worship during a greeting time. You're hugging, you're, you're, you're meeting, you're greeting. Maybe you're giving some encouragement. Maybe God's speaking to your heart this morning about things, and then you share some love with people. You see, but we all have something to give. Our worship team gives their gifts. Our teachers are teaching our kids right now. There are some people smiling and shaking your hand when you came in this morning, and somebody's right now putting this beautiful PowerPoint up there for us, you know. And, and so those are some of the parts, but every single one of us has something to offer to the family. Some of us offer those gifts on a Sunday morning. Some of us offer them on a Wednesday night at Celebrate Recovery. Some of us uh, have been uh, called to lead a life group, and we pour into a small group of people in our family, in our homes, and, and we just open our homes, and we just, we just facilitate you know, this time together, right? Some of us are working with our youth on Sunday nights, and some of us are teaching people on Thursday mornings in the women's Bible study or the men's Bible studies or the different classes that we have or the, the different ministries that are out there. I could go on and on and on about all the different ways that there's different people with different parts that are serving God. And that's who we are. We're the family of God. But today I want to give a, just a little bit of a um, review of some things and then charge us up with what God's vision is for our family so we can all be excited about it and see what our next step is. But to start with, I just want to let you guys know we have a group of elders who God has raised up to love you and to care for you and to pray for you and to serve you, to help you be protected spiritually, like spiritual fathers and mothers, you know? And, uh, and so I want to introduce our elders to you. Our elders, uh, those of you who are here, um, you can just stand. Uh, Dave and Kelly Smith, right over here I see, present. And um, Duane and Chris Vickerman, I think, are in Mexico. But how many of you know prayer has no, no boundaries? So I know they're praying for us. Uh, Chris and Robin, Stephan, Robin Stephan, some of you know them. They're helping us with our Celebrate Recovery. Uh, Hal and Kelly Eargood right up here in the front row. And uh, Charles and Amber Ling, they're back there. Amber's running our uh, soundboard this morning, or the PowerPoint, and Charlie. And uh, Keith and Cindy Harrison, who are also on vacation. So these are our elders. Um, thank you guys for serving our church and our family and uh, once a month, we gather together, and we pray for you, and we talk about any things that we need to do to help the family uh, and make big decisions together, and they, they keep me in alignment, making sure that I'm not being goofy, you know, uh, but that the vision that God has, has given us uh, is sharpened together, and uh, anytime you have any needs, any concerns, any trouble, anybody you want to talk with, you can go to any of our elders at any time. 
Okay, that's what we're here to do is just to help you and encourage you. So let's give God thanks for our elders and the gift of leadership. Um, also, we have a board of directors that help us with overseeing our finances and all of our legal matters. And uh, I want to introduce uh, the members there. Not everybody is present, but um, uh, Doug Noble, many of you know Doug Noble. He is on our board of directors. Charles Lang, who is one of our elders, is also serving on our board of directors. Been there forever. Uh, David Smith, also one of our elders, is on that board. David Winslick, uh, who many of you know, he's on our staff here. And Al Rowe, who's in Florida for a season, uh, and myself. And also, uh, my mom, Linda Hobson, who has been our co-treasurer for 39 years. Is she serving right now back at the children's area? And uh, anyway, um, I want to honor her. I don't know if you want to go get her. You want to go get her for a second? Yeah, let's embarrass her. And so um, part, of our, part of our functioning as a body is, uh, you know, obviously I'm, I'm a pastor, uh, but I work uh, in conjunction with the Board of Elders, and uh, we're very excited about um, what God has put on our heart to do this coming year to provide even better care for all of you. You also have some people who are care pastors who, uh, you know, can meet with you and, and encourage you, and, but we're, we're part of the structure that God has given to help you flourish, to find freedom, to find wholeness, to, find, uh, to be equipped to do what God's called you to do and, uh, and to be launched into those works. So here's my mom. Mom, I just want to honor you for a second. Can you come on up here? Can you come on up here for a second, Mom? Amy? And my mom is, uh, come on up here. My mom has served for 39 years as our co-treasurer, and she is trying to retire from that position. And we're trying to work a, a way to transition her out, but I just want to honor you with these flowers, this card, and I want you guys to thank her for serving our church for 39 years as a co-treasurer. Yes. Thank you so much. My mom... Yep, my mom has been, uh, she has given countless hours to this church over the 39 years. She's one of the founding uh, members of our church, and um, she does so much work behind the scenes of all the financial bookkeeping. She has established our ministry above reproach with absolute perfect integrity and a perfect record financially. And, uh, and I just thank her for honoring God and for doing all that work behind the scenes and playing her part to be a blessing to us. So thank you, Mom. We'll let you uh, retire sometime soon. All right. <laughs> I also want to just welcome uh, Charles Lane to the front. He is our other co-treasurer who's been a part of our uh, board of directors, I think, probably over 35 years. And I asked him to give us a, a brief um, financial report for us uh, before I get into our, uh, our message this morning. So he's going to kind of share with you where, where we are. Let me help you out. Does that work? Yeah, that should be good. Well, honest, there's supposed to be a PowerPoint coming up here. Oh, I got hands sticking up that uh, not going to happen? No kidding. Okay, well, this will be fun. 
I, uh, you're serious. You don't have that. <laughs> Did we'll say that again? Yes, David had it. David's not here. That's so nice. Okay. Well, I have it right here. You just can't tell what it is, huh? I suspected that our budget didn't include enough PowerPoint power to get it up there. I have it right here. It looks like a tornado to you, doesn't it? Well, it's kind of like that. Let me tell you a little bit about our budget, just so you have some insight. Our budget requires about $1,000 a day to make it work. And if you could read all the fine print, which you cannot, you'd see what it was about. The largest one at the top, it's just it's supposed to give you an idea where the money is invested, is in our administrative and facilities arena. It includes things like the insurance on the building, the utilities, the snow plowing when there is snow, the grass cutting, all of the things you have to do that you don't think about when you come in on a Sunday morning, do you? I don't. But when I see the bills, I... I know they add up a lot, and so they're one of the bigger ones. And then there's uh, the next one has to do with the worship ministry. There's a lot goes on behind the scenes that, that you can't tell from just having it happen. And if in my little budget, if you could see it, if we included all of the volunteer time, it, would, it wouldn't look like a, a tornado. It would look more like a, 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 a large column because there are countless volunteer times. Like Linda, you heard, well, she does spend countless hours. She really does. And we're making it more complicated for her every, every month, which is why she probably wants to retire. And that's, <laughs> that's our fault, Tim. I'm sorry. But anyway, <laughs> the next one is special events. And we have a lot of those. And we invest pretty heavily to make that happen. We reach out to the community in a lot of different ways. We have the sports clinic and then the Halloween rest stop and the Easter program. And there's others, too. And then uh, if you could see the next one is the children's ministry. We have uh, full-time staff involved in that. And uh, yeah, that's, that's something new for us. And uh, we have other things that we do in there. The next one is missions. Missions is a big deal. And so we invest heavily into that. Our youth ministry, which is neck and neck with missions, is also a big investment. We have you know, staff involved in that too. And then our life groups, while it's a small part of the tornado, if I if we could include all of the volunteer time, it would be a big part because it's a big deal. And uh, then we have funeral ministry and celebrate recovery and uh, the men's and w uh, women's ministry. And there are a lot of other ones too that aren't on here. That's just that the that the tornado would get really long and and wouldn't make a lot of sense. But these are the ones where uh, part of the financial investment is made every week. And this is just to give you an idea. And really, we did have a PowerPoint, and David and I will have a discussion about that later. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, Charlie. One of the things that I'm really proud of uh, that our church is every time that we drive by and there's not a pile of snow blocking the rock, we're reminded that we are a debt-free church. We're debt-free. Praise God. And we're able to, um, uh, we really take seriously the, the stewardship of the resources that God has put into our hands. God has blessed you. Um, most of us tithe to this church uh, as a recognition that all that we have is from God and that God has blessed us and we honor him and then he continues to put resources into our hands to use for his purposes, right? So my life, uh, and, I, and I might even start talking about this a little bit, but I had this really cool insight this last week as I was 
praying and reading the Bible and stuff about just, just how much I have everything. I have everything right now in God to do anything and everything he's called me to do because there is nothing that I actually own. God owns it all. And whatever he has placed into your hands, whether it's a car or a house or some money or some whatever, uh, the days that you get to live, the energy that you wake up with, um, the breath that you're breathing, you don't own any of it. It's all a gift of God. And, and I am a steward of the time that I have on earth, of anything and everything that he gives me, whether it's opportunities or connections with people or resources. Um, and so it's just so freeing to be uh, in that way of thinking that, God, I don't own anything, but anything that you want to do through me, you, you, will, you will make happen. It's so cool. And that's how we believe in this church from the very beginning. We've uh, lived a, a, a life of faith in pursuing, God, what do you want to do? What are you calling us to do? How are you leading us? And then we just trust in the Lord as we step out in those areas. And I want to thank you for your generosity and your faith in God as your provider. And then as we come together, now we as leaders, we are seeking God all the time. God, how, what do you want to do through, through this ministry? What is the vision you have for us? How, how do we build people up? How do we reach more people? And so um, thank you for your generosity to this church. And we are a, a debt-free church, which means um, that we are not slave to anyone except to the, the only debt that we owe is the debt of love. Okay? Isn't that exciting? We don't, we don't pay any interest to anybody. We are taking 100% uh, of what God has put into our hands and putting it into motion to, to touch people's lives. It's awesome. Um, and so, uh, but we have a couple of big projects. Well, one big financial goal this year I want to announce that I'm, I'm hoping that we can accomplish this in the next 18 months, and that is a new parking lot. We need a new parking lot. I don't know if you've noticed, uh, but it's getting beat up. It's getting older. And uh, one of the things that I'd like to do is uh, just invite you to pray about giving a special gift at some point in the next couple of months or several months towards our new parking lot. Now, here's the good news. We've been saving for the parking lot for the last four years, and we have $50,000 already set aside. Isn't that awesome? So every month we've been setting that money aside. The other thing that I'm hoping to do is apply for our Jennings Memorial Foundation, which is a local uh, benevolence fund that has been amazing to this community of Montrose. And years ago, when we built our, our energy zone over here for our children, we asked for a $50,000 matching grant, and they awarded it to us. And we were able to build that building. Uh, it's worth over $200,000. We built it with cash in hand, with all the volunteers that we needed, and uh, we came out of that project owing zero. We built the whole thing with the blessings of God to be able to get that done. And so that's, that's my goal. That's our goal for the, the parking lot, too. Uh, so we're hoping to get a $50,000 matching grant. We haven't done that yet, uh, but we're hoping that that would be part of God's provision. That would give us 100000 but the problem is that the parking lot costs approximately 200000 So we're going to have to raise another 100000 to to do a new parking lot. We're going to rip out. It's going to be brand new. It's not going to be resurfaced. It's all going to be gone, brand new uh, foundation. We're going to rip out all those islands and gain some more parking places. We're going to add a couple of basketball hoops for the area, youth in the area, uh, because there are no basketball hoops anywhere in the city, no public basketball 
basketball hoops anywhere in the city, but I heard the township over there at Seymour Road, they're going to put in a couple, uh, and then we're hoping to put in a couple here too, because we do have this one basketball hoop, it's used all the time, but it's falling apart. So anyway, that's one financial goal, but that's not what today's about, that's just something that we're hoping to be able to do. Uh, the other thing that is pretty amazing is, years ago, we made this great relationship with the school. We cleaned out this property line between the school and ourselves, put a brand new fence in there, cleaned it all up, looked beautiful, and then we built a bridge. And we solved one of the, one, in my opinion at least, one of the biggest problems at the time in our community because my kids were little at the time, and it was chaos dropping kids off for school at Carter Elementary School in the morning. There wasn't enough parking. Uh, parents couldn't park. Uh, they were parking across the street at the park and kids walking across the road with parents. Cars were illegally parked along the road. It was crazy. It was chaos. And one of the ways that we, we decided that God was leading us to, to help solve that situation was to clean this area up, build a bridge, and invite the teachers to park in our parking lot, which they've been doing for the last several years. There's about 15 teachers that park every day right here in our parking lot, walk across this boardwalk to the school, and it alleviates the parking issue on the front side for parents to come in, park, and get out and walk their kids. Isn't that awesome? So God's blessed us uh, with that opportunity just to be a blessing to our community. So uh, there's a bus that comes in our parking lot every, uh, you know, every weekday, twice a day, uh, picking kids up, and that's helped beat up our parking lot a little bit too. Uh, but it's part of, part of the ministry God's called us to, is to help out and be a great neighbor. Okay, so here's the, here's the challenge. Think and pray about this. If you have a tax return, you want to buy a parking space, it'd be about 1000 bucks. So we just need 100 people to buy 100 parking spaces. All right, let's go. Woo! Come on. All right, I got one. I got one. All right, we only need 99 more. There you go. But let's talk about vision. This is the stuff I really want to get to. And I don't want this to feel like a business meeting because right now, this is all about you. The vision that God has put on my heart and the vision that God has given this church from the very beginning was to help people. Our, our found, founding purpose is very simple and it has stayed the same uh, for 39 years. It's to know God and to make him known. And really, all we're focused on is the first part. What I, what, I, what I have determined is that if we do the first part, if you know God, to know God. If you know God, the second half takes care of itself to make him known. I mean, that, that, you can't help it. I was, thinking about, um, I was thinking about the woman, you know, the Samaritan woman at the well, and she, she met Jesus her life was so profoundly impacted by that conversation at the well that she went, she just couldn't help herself. She just left, went back to the town, and just told everybody, I just met the Messiah. He, this, could this be the Messiah? I just met him. You won't believe. He knew everything I've ever done. And he talked about living water and da-da-da-da. And she, she, she was so enthusiastic about her encounter with Christ that the whole town came out to meet him. And then the, they, they had the same encounter with him. And they said, we don't believe that you're the Messiah anymore because of what we heard. We believe because we just met you ourselves. Isn't that awesome? I think about, uh, who else was it? Uh, one of the uh, disciples, I remember just going off the cuff here, and he met Jesus, and the first thing he did is he went and got his best friend, his buddy. He said, we met him. You've got to come and see. 
you know? And, and that's what happens when you know God. You can't help but tell somebody about him. But do you know him? That's my, that's my heart. That's been the heart of this church from day one, is to help people come to know God and to come alive in his purposes in their lives. Because there's a purpose for your life. And, and the church's job isn't just to, to, to announce, but to equip and to heal and to encourage and to build people up in the knowledge of Jesus Christ until we all come to this fullness of Christ, this maturity in God, and this freedom that we can lay our lives down freely because we already come to that place where I got it all. I got it all. Now I can just give it all. You see, I can live a life of freedom and fullness as I get to know who he is. So I'm going to walk through with you, and if you got your notes, um, there's real five main purposes of the church. They come from these two main passages of Scripture. One is called the Great Commission. And you've, you've heard this, I'm sure, many times. It's in Matthew 8, 28, 18 to 20. And Jesus is talking to his disciples. And he's saying this right before he ascends into heaven in front of them. This is one of the last things that he is saying to them. And he says this. He came to them and he says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go. And that's evangelism. And so that's one of the uh, purposes of the church is to make him known. So he has his disciples around him and he's telling the people who know him to go and to evangelize or to preach the good news. That's what that means, preach the good news. So go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And when you're baptizing to Christ, you are coming into fellowship with him. And so we believe that there is a family, like I said, of believers. It's a fellowship. It's relationships. It's you and me being a part of this family. And we are baptized into the family of God together as a family. So we're in this together. And then he goes on and he says, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And to teach someone in, the, in his language would be to disciple them or discipleship. That means to become, to become like Jesus, to learn how to be like him, to think like him. He was a rabbi. In the culture of the day, uh, every student's desire was to be called by a rabbi because that meant that you were viewed as worthy uh, by that rabbi and that you were capable to become like him. And when Jesus called his disciples, it was the greatest thrill of their lifetime that someone, this rabbi, this one, believed in them, and believed that they could be like him. And so they came and they followed him, and he taught them, and he empowered them with his teaching, with his truths, and it set them free, and it gave them a purpose for their life, right? And so he, Jesus, has called each and every one of us to follow him, not a religion. He says, come to me if you're weary, if you're tired, if you've been carrying this heavy load, Take my teaching upon you, my yoke upon you, because my teaching is light, and you will find rest for your souls. You will not find a burden with Jesus. He doesn't give you religion. He gives you life. He gives you his, himself, a relationship. That's what it means to become a disciple of Jesus Christ. That's what we're doing here. We're, 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 yeah, we're going, to, we're going to tell the good news, but we need to have this experience of him first. We need to have him change us and, and challenge us and 
and create in us who, he re- who we really are. And we do that together. The other main passage uh, of Scripture that the purposes of the church come from is Matthew 22, and it's called the Great Commandment. We talk about this all the time here at the church. The Great Commandment. Verses 36 to 40, a man came to him and said, Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. That's the greatest command, to love, which the purpose of the church here, love, is really to worship God, to worship him, to love him, is to worship him. And so um, he goes on to say, and the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself, and to love your neighbor is what we call in the church ministry. It's where you have something to give for someone else's benefit, and you do it. It could be letters. That's my ministry. I write letters. It could be teaching children. That's my ministry. It could be playing a guitar. You have something that you give for someone else to build them up, to encourage them, to bless them, to help them. You could pray for them. You could do all sort of different things, and that's ministry. And you know what? God has a ministry for you, each and every one of us. And now the process of this, and last week I, I uh, was so excited. Sometimes when I'm preaching, I'm, I'm learning. Well, I shouldn't say sometimes. I should say all the time, all the time. And last week I, was, I, I just enjoyed uh, learning as I was sharing with you. And there's a, there is a red line in Scripture. Some call it the scarlet thread. It is the line of redemption. It's the picture that God is at work all the time, even when we don't perceive it or feel it or think it or doubt it. He's at work. Remember, if you were here last week, Joseph's life? There was times in Joseph's life it, it, it looked like anything except that God was there, but God was marching forward his purposes for Joshua's or for uh, Joseph's life. Yeah, Joseph. And then I read uh, after that, the next day I'm reading about Moses on Monday morning. And the same thing, there is a scarlet thread just ramming through Moses' life. He had a vision that God was going to use him. He was, uh, remember, he was saved out of the Nile River by Pharaoh's daughter. He was raised um, in Pharaoh's house, but by his mom. There was some miraculous stuff going on. He was given the best education in the world. He was being equipped the whole time. He had a heart for his people. When he got older, he wanted to set his people free. He already had that vision inside of his heart. And he saw an Egyptian, um, uh, what do you call it, slave driver, mistreating a Hebrew. And he looked around and he, he killed the Egyptian slave driver. And, and it's, it was an expression of, a dream or a desire in his heart to see his people set free. He knew he was a Hebrew. But he was doing it out of himself, his way. He wasn't relying on God, and it didn't work, and he had to run to the desert. So now he's exiled. He's running for his life. His, his life is tanking. He had this dream, I'm going to deliver the people. Now he's running for his life. He's in the desert and God, I believe, was at work the whole time. Because you know what he became in the, in the desert? A shepherd. He learned how to care for sheep. 
And I, what, from my, what I've heard from Pastor Bob is, because he, he knows a little bit about sheep, he says, sheep are dumb. <laughs> and they're always getting into trouble. And they just follow each other around. And they don't even know. Jump, one jumps off the cliff, they all just follow them, jump off the cliff. And, and every day, Moses was learning how to care for sheep, lead the sheep, guide the sheep, feed the sheep. And what was he going to do 40 years later? He was going to lead the people. Every day, guiding the people, loving the people, having patience with the people. God was preparing him the whole time. And he's in the desert. He's learning how to live in the desert. And he's going to have to do that for 40 more years with a whole other group of people. Some say a million and a half people. And while it looked like his life was in the wasteland, while it looked like his dreams were over, do you understand what I'm saying? There was a line, a red line, a, a scarlet thread of God's purposes that were marching forward the whole time, even though his life looked like it was going like this. Have you ever felt like that? You ever felt like, where's God? Why is this? I screwed up. It's over. He can never use me again. Are you kidding me? God's purposes will prevail. There is never, uh, it's never too late to reconnect with what God is doing in your life. And so part of our vision here at the Lamb of God Fellowship, and my vision for you, is that you would recognize and cooperate with the very best that God has for your life. Because his plan is way better for you than your plan is. I mean, it's, God could do anything. And he has a great purpose and a plan for your life. So I want to just kind of walk you through kind of some of the, the, the stages that I see in our development as we follow and get to know God. The first main stage here is that we need to come to God. Coming to God is coming to the realization that I need a Savior. And some of you have made this decision a long time ago, and some of you just made it here recently. Last week, we had three or four people raise their hand and said, I need Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I'm making that decision today. And you know what you did? You just came home. You came home. Your sins are now forgiven. And the whole point of coming home to God is realizing that he paved a way for you to experience forgiveness. And you are forgiven. Even though you're not perfect now, even though you won't remain perfect, you, you will still have some hiccups, you're forgiven. You don't have to worry about that anymore. Let's get on with life the way that God has designed it to be for you. And forgiveness brings us to the next, next place where, where we come to Christ, we come to God, and we experience that. But the, the next part of this real equation is that we need to, as I mentioned before, we need to belong. We need to find ourselves belonging to a spiritual family because that is where the lion's share of God's provision is for your life. It's in people. That's how he meets needs. Yeah, of course he can... He can drop a bag of money out of heaven if he had to. I mean, yeah, but usually he, he, he does that through someone writing a check and handing it to you. You know what I mean? That, I mean, God uses people. God uses us for one another. And, you know, part of this is belonging. And so it's not just belonging, coming to Christ, but now it's belonging to a family, belonging to a church. And there's five different stages I want to share with you here. But as you do that, belonging and you, you, let's say that you, for us, belonging becomes, hey, I'm going to call this my family. 
I'm going to be a member of the Lamb of God Fellowship. And as you, as you do that, then you begin to engage yourself in this process, which I believe helps lead us to freedom. Because when we begin to grow together, we begin to take some of our classes, we commit to Sunday mornings, we begin to get into a life group, we start talking about our life with people, we come to Christ, uh, celebrate recovery, we, we get into these conversations, we begin to unpack the past, the hurts, the pains, the thinking that's out of order. And we've been talking about that a lot these last couple of weeks. And it's real. We all can relate to this stuff. We're all in this together, okay? But there is a place of freedom for us. And when people first come to Christ, honestly, they come with a whole bag full, a whole trunk full of issues and hurts and stuff. And there is hope for all of that stuff. There is transformation. There's healing. There's freedom available. But there's, there's a little bit of a process that needs to take place. Okay? Do you agree with me? And, and there's hope. And within the framework of the vision that God has given us is we're trying to allow God's space in our lives to do that work in us together. And uh, we need three things to do that. We need the Word of God. We need the Holy Spirit. And we need other people. You need to belong. That's how you get freedom. It's with the Word of God, the Holy Spirit, and people who love you. Spiritual people. Listening to the Holy Spirit. Helping guide that process. Do you guys agree with me? Okay, that's how it works. All right, so we can have forgiveness. We can have freedom. Um, after belonging, as you're growing in freedom, this, this time frame of freedom and it's a lifelong journey, by the way. But there is a tipping point which you are, at some point in your life, going, cooperating with God and what he's doing in your life. There's a tipping point, just like on a little old-fashioned, uh, what do you call that? Huh? Yeah, teeter-totter. I'm like, what do you call that thing? There's a tipping point where now you're more free than you were bound. Okay? And you begin to be able to have a uh, you know, a place of, of, uh, of fruitfulness in your life. But we want to keep growing, and now we want to start to experience um, an equipping that takes place. First, it's almost like you're just getting rid of stuff. You know? Oh, I'm not like that. Oh, I'm forgiven of that. Oh, God, God says this of me. Oh, I can't, I can, there's a solution to my my addictions, to my problems, to my anger. And so a lot of the beginning transformation phases is getting rid of stuff, getting rid of unforgiveness, getting rid of being healed from hurt, re rethinking some things, and, and you're, you're getting rid of some stuff. Okay, you guys know what I'm saying? All right, and then, and then you begin to add. You begin to add things, begin to grow. You begin to equip, begin, begin to get equipped in who God's called you to. And the next phase after this freedom is that you begin to get full, full of life, fullness, fullness of the truth. The truth sets you free, but it also starts to build you up, starts to give you a spark, starts to give you a vision, a direction, starts to give you um, just, just more wisdom, and, and you, you just start doing, you start aligning your life with God and how you're doing things. 
and it just starts to add joy to your life and significance and purpose. And anybody out there with me? So then you want more of that. Then you want more of that. Uh, and so we, I always want people to be growing. Uh, that's part of the vision. Like we're never just stagnant. There's always more for all of us. Okay? So as we're growing, um, you know, right now we have some great opportunities for growing. I would say, like, these two are very similar uh, in, in a sense for Celebrate Recovery. I've been mentioning Celebrate Recovery a lot because we just started it. And it's a great way to get freedom, but it's also a great way to grow into who you are and to be around people that you can trust. Also, our, our main thing for growing is life groups because we grow better together. And it's hard for me to, um, you know, have this time with you as an individual and know what you're really thinking, you know. Sometimes I try to guess. And I try to, you know, I try to say things like, are you thinking this? You're doing that, you know. But it's hard for me to have an individual conversation with everybody. But if you're in a life group, and let's say there's eight or ten of you, you all get to talk. You all can in, engage with the topic. You can all share your, your part of your story. And, and that's how I learn is by talking. Talking about stuff. That's how I think. I think out loud a lot of times. It's just my personality. But I know that we grow better together. And, and so being a part of a life group isn't just something to do that's um, a good idea. It actually helps you grow and, and be encouraged uh, and have that support system around you. So this is one of the main things that we challenge everybody to consider. The first thing that I would like to have you consider right here, that's kind of from these two things, is just value or prioritize Sunday mornings because this is the place for you weekly to hear what God is saying, to be encouraged by your family members, and to worship God and to give, to give yourself a weekly reminder that, God, you, you, you're with me this week and you will be with me this week. I'm yours, Lord. My life belongs to you. Sunday morning, you, you never know what you miss when you miss Sunday mornings. You just don't know because God can do anything. You'd have no idea when you miss a Sunday morning if God would have spoken something to you that day that would have totally changed the decision or direction of your life or healed a hurt you didn't even know was there or that you did know was there. And so um, I, I really want to encourage you as a pastor, this is a priority, to prioritize Sunday mornings that we, we come, we worship God, and that's kind of our, 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 uh, our, one of our purposes on Sunday mornings is to worship Him right here to worship him and to know him. To belong to him is our fellowship. That's getting to know each other and being a part of this together. To grow is our discipleship. That's our purpose there. So it's becoming like Jesus. But in this area here of growing, the other main commitment that I like to ask our members to do is commit to a life group or a group of people that you are with, that you're growing with. It's so critical for your protection for your growth, uh, for your support, is to have relationships and friendships and people outside of a Sunday morning that are a part of your life. It's just so critical to us. How many of you have this right now and understand and would, would witness with me that that is a key part of your life right now? It keeps you healthy and strong and happy and, and all that, okay? Um, so then we go from growing and then um, the next step, and this is in your notes, is serving. And that's really where you begin to find your ministry. 
serving. I think one of the biggest challenges that we got to remember is that when we talk about church, church is not this big organization, this business that somebody's doing something. It's me. It's me. Church is me. It's you. It's people. It's not an organization. It's not a building. It's not a business. It's not somebody else. It's not the Lamb of God church. They, they do that. No, it's people. You. It's me. We. We serve. We have a ministry. Not the church. We do. And God has something for you, a way for you to give, not out of, you see, a lot of us, we come to God broken, hurting. And when you first come to Christ, what you need to do is immerse yourself in Sunday mornings and start to feed on God's word and go, go to celebrate recovery, get involved in a life group and grow and just get healthy. But when you hit the tipping point, not that you're done growing, not that you're done finding freedom, but there's a tipping point in your life where there's, there's gonna be starting to be an overflow of life. That's when you get involved and that's when you start serving. That's when you start giving back out of the life that God's given to you, okay? You know, as much as I do, that we reproduce who we are, right? So it's important for us to find health, to find truth, to find freedom here before we really start reproducing out of our pain, out of our pride, you know, out of our insecurities. And so that's why this is part of the vision. When you first come to Christ, just get hungry. Just, just pour yourself into learning and growing, getting free. And then God will bubble up things inside of you. And then there's a place at which you just, you can't help it. You're ready to give. God's done something in your life. He's transformed you. You see that? So we go from forgiveness to freedom to fullness and serving. Uh, the word that I have for that is fruitfulness. You become fruitful. You begin to produce life in those around you. And that's really cool. That's really awesome. When you start to produce fruit out of the life that God's put in your life. Now, everybody in this room whoop, is somewhere. And it doesn't matter where you are. What matters is where you're going. Where you're going. And what's next for you. Now, Jesus spent three years with his disciples to get them to this last place. Three years. Je Jesus. <laughs> and they were with him not just once a week. They lived with him. Okay? So it was a pretty intense uh, process. And, uh, and this last one is to lead. And my goal is that you come to a place in your life where you're free, where you're full, where you're equipped, and that you are living out God's purpose for your life. You're not just serving, but you're leading, and you are developing people, and you're pouring your life out to people. And when I say lead, I mean leading like Jesus. And Jesus said, this is, if you want to be the greatest in the kingdom, this is how you do it. What do you do? You go all the way down to the bottom, and you just serve. You lay your life down. True leadership in the kingdom is the hardest thing to do because it is losing your life for the gospel. It's coming to that place where God has so filled your heart, so given you a revelation of his love for you, that you now know, I got everything. I got everything. I need nothing. 
My life is in his hands. God, here I am. I'm here to do your will. What would you have me do? And you just love and you serve and you find your, your purpose and you just give your life away, just like Jesus did. Isn't that cool? Yes, it is cool. Um, so I have a couple of opportunities for you and uh, then a couple of uh, points I wanted to make. Now, um, the, last, the last thing that I would challenge you to consider is kind of in this, in this phase here, these, this area here, is like being a part of a ministry or what we call, a lot of times we'll call a ministry team. And now there's all kinds of places to serve. You can serve as a greeter. You can serve on the worship team. You can serve with our children, with our youth. Uh, you can serve at our special events and so on. And so there's different ways of serving. Um, but, you know, these are the three main things that, that I believe are critical for us as a family for us to be doing what God's called us to do and for you to find fullness in your life and for you to, to be fully developed and fully engaged and because what, what Christ teaches us is it's more blessed to give than to receive. When you find what God has given you to give and you begin to do that, you come alive. It's the greatest thing than you have ever had before. When you begin to walk into the purpose that God has for your life and you're equipped to do it and you're free from the past and you're free to do it and you begin to see the fruitfulness of that that God is doing in your life and you see lives changed around you because of what God's done in you and what God is doing through you, it's the greatest thing. That's what you are destined for. That's my vision for each and every one of us to experience this, to not stay in bondage and hurt and pain, but to find freedom, real freedom, to have victory in our lives and to grow into the knowledge of who Christ is and who I am in him that I just get filled with passion and purpose and joy and, oh, man, you know what I mean? And then to be able to give that and see it given in a way that actually makes a difference in somebody's life. Whoa, that's awesome. And to give my life away knowing I already have, I already have it all. I got it all. I got a mansion and ha- I mean, I got everything. I got nothing to worry about. I don't have to strive for anything down here. I got it all. I get the blessing of partnering with God to see other people's lives change. That's the vision of this church. The vision of this church isn't about building big buildings, trying to get to a certain number of people, it's about building big people. It's about building you up, encouraging you, and caring for you, and cheering you on, spurring you on, pushing you on, because God has a great plan for your life. He's got a great plan for this church. The church is people. It's you. And when the church comes alive, it means that you're coming alive. And when the church is contagious, it means you're contagious. When the church is on fire, it means you're on fire. You see what I'm saying? It's not a building. It's not Pastor Tim. It's not a couple of staff members. It's us. It's you. It's me. God wants you alive and thriving in life and being contagious. And as you know him, then you're going to run around and tell everybody, you've got to come and see what I found. You've got to meet who I've met. You've got to hear what I've heard. Come to, you, know, you can't help it. And that's the contagiousness that I want to see in this church and in your life. That's what I want. I want to see that freedom, that fullness, that passion stirring in your heart. Here's a couple of things I want to share with you briefly about these, because there is a step 
for anyone in this room here to take. And that's really the, the challenge. Where are you at? What's your next step? Because there is a line. No matter what your life looks like right now, if this is the high point right here, and here's your dream right here, and you're kind of like, uh, you know, uh, Joseph or Moses, and you might feel like your life is like here or like there doing these kinds of things or flatlining. Don't care. I don't care because I know that there's a higher truth at work in your life. Whatever you're going through here, God can be changing and working something out of you that's preparing you for what he has for you here if you'll just cooperate with him. What is your next step in him? Because his purpose is marching forward and upwards for your life. No matter what it looks like, if you're walking in him, he will redeem those experiences, those heartaches, those pains, those, those missed opportunities, whatever it was. He can redeem all of that. He can use all of that for your benefit and for his glory, for his glory. And there is a line that's going up like this. Like I, I think I mentioned this verse last week, Proverbs 4.18. The path of the righteous is like this red line. It's like the, the shining Brighter, brighter every day. It's getting better and better in the Lord until he returns, until the fullness of the sun rising in the sky at noon. It's like the sun's coming up, it's coming up, it's coming up, it's coming up, it's coming up, and at, at noon, it's at its highest point. The Bible says your path is like that sun that is rising until Jesus comes again. Your path in him is to be getting better. The best is always yet to come. For a believer who is trusting in the Lord, no matter what the circumstances look like, the best is still yet to come. God's plans are marching forward in your life. You hear what I'm saying? No matter what the temporary, insignificant, fake truths of our current circumstances, there is a permanent, eternal, purpose, truth of God that is greater and is magnetizing your life up and pulling you up to that that permanent eternal reality in him because you are a winner you will spend eternity in heaven with him you have everything that you need right now for life and for godliness you may not see it with your physical eyes but the spiritual truth is greater than the physical truth. The permanent truth is greater than the temporary truth. And you must have faith in God. That's what this is all about. That you just choose to believe in God's word over the temporary circumstances of your life. Because there is a red, scarlet plan of God marching forward in your life right now. You read it all over the Bible. Start reading the Bible. Start reading people's lives. You'll see it. All their lives are like tanking, tanking. And then God redeems it. And while they're thinking that they're tanking, God's teaching them. He's molding them. He's setting them free of self-effort, sufficiency, pride, arrogance. He's equipping them. He's empowering them. And when they're ready and when it's his timing, bam, he brings them to that place of fruitfulness and purpose. It's awesome. That's who you are. Every one of you is designed to be here. Every one of you is designed to experience the fullness of God, the fullness of Him, His presence, His power, His destiny.
Every one of us in this room were created by God to be successful in him. Some of you are agreeing with me? I see it. <laughs> um, here's a couple opportunities for you. If you're at the come stage and you just came to Christ or you're, you're fairly new as a Christian, we got a really cool uh, life group that just started. Would you guys stand? Joe and Megan Fondren over here. Just started a life group, and it's called 10 Steps to Christ, and there's a couple of families in this group. And if you're fairly new, and I would highly recommend that you join their life group if you can. We just started it, and uh, it's on Monday nights, right, at their house. See those guys right there today if you're interested. All right? So that's a great next step for some of you who are fairly new in your walk with God. Also, we're going to have another welcome luncheon April 19th. And, uh, and anytime you bring someone to church that's new, make sure that you know when we do a welcome luncheon, give them a little nudge. That's when we want to meet them, okay? That's when I want to meet them. It gives me a chance to get to know them. So if you have family that comes or friends or coworkers that you invite to church, we want them to come to our welcome luncheon so I can meet them and get to know them a little bit. I try to get to know people out here, but, you know, there's not that much time. And so we do a lunch. We just say, hey, and we try to answer questions, okay? So that's going to be April 19th. And then we're going to do a water baptism uh, a couple weeks after Easter this year. If you're ready to get baptized, if, you fa- if you're fairly new at coming to Christ and you, and you want to get water baptized, you can sign up for our, our water baptism class April 26th, and then we'll get baptized the, next, uh, the very next week, okay? That would be awesome. So if you're a fairly new Christian, uh, you know, you need to get baptized, and you can go online and watch these baptism classes and stuff. So that's your next step. If you're kind of like right here, um, we're going to do a membership class. If you're ready to make that, that choice or at least explore that, we're going to do a membership class on March 15th. And a membership class basically is saying this, hey, I found my family. I'm in. Okay? I'm in. And I, I, I talk about this a little bit more, talk about these things here, because these are the th- ways that we, have, we believe are healthy ways for us to grow into Christ. Okay? Um, for growing, I already mentioned Celebrate Recovery and Life Groups. Uh, and for serving, I think today in your bulletin, there's a sheet that if you, if you want to start getting involved, there's some easy ways to get involved. It says ways to serve or something like that, doesn't it? And you can fill that out today. Turn that into our welcome desk. Turn it into me if you want. And, uh, and we'll, we'll follow up with you and, and see if that's a good fit for you to serve. And just get going. Get into it. Start giving out of what God's given you. And then for the leading area, if you're a strong you've been here a long time, you're a member of our church, and you just want more, I want to invite you to a, a meeting uh, the last couple of years, I think three years now, I've been having a, a meeting behind the scenes uh, for just all of our ministry leaders, our elders, and it's just to be called our leadership team. But now we're going to change that and we're going to just open it up to something called growing leaders. Anybody who just wants to grow, that's a member of our church, okay? This is for members because I'm also going to be talking about our vision, and, and I want to challenge you to grow as a leader into the purposes and plans that you have for your life. But if you're hungry to grow, and, and you want to be a great leader, and that means everybody's a leader, by the way, everybody. So I'm talking to everybody here, um, and you want to do that, we're, we're going to have a monthly uh, meeting called Growing Leaders, where we get together, pray together, encourage each other, and I train you and equip you with uh, leadership principles. Our next one is February 10th. And you're welcome to come, okay? February 10th, 6.30.
So I think uh, we want you to, is that on that card there, the serving card? No? Is it? Somewhere? Somebody look? No? Okay, well, if you want to do that, um, growing leaders, let me know because I'd like to know that you're coming. We have about, I'd say, 35 to 40 people that come. So this is not just a couple of people. This is a, this is a lot of people who wants to grow who, who are seeking God and want to be equipped to be more effective in what God's called them to do, okay? So we'd love to have you come, growing leaders. You want to grow uh, in, your, in your leadership abilities and grow in helping us lead this church into the plans and purposes God has for us. Come on out. Sound good? So there's something for everybody here. And uh, my challenge, my closing challenge is to uh, take your next step. So... I've gone a couple minutes over, but I want to finish with a very exciting announcement. Super excited about this. Over the last couple of years, God has just really put on my heart that I need to do a better job as a pastor in caring for the congregation, caring for you and for, for all of us. So we've been talking and brainstorming and praying how to do that because I can't, I can't do it myself. You know what I mean? I can't, like, we have maybe three, 400 people in our church um, that come to church once a month. And if everybody just had one little crisis a year, that'd be 400 crises in one year. My whole life would be a crisis. You see what I'm saying? It doesn't work. Once you get over 100 people in a church, you can't, the pastor can't keep up with it. It's just too much. So God has put on our heart to provide for all of our members um, a spiritual coach to encourage us on this journey. And uh, we're gonna be... Um, recruiting people that I'm calling uh, our, our care coaches to just be a part of your life, to encourage you, pray for you, and, uh, and build you up along the way. And then our care pastors and elders are going to be there for you too. And it's going to be awesome. I'm going to call this our spiritual care network. And um, everybody is going to have somebody praying for them, caring for them, and it's going to be awesome. This year... My goal is that everybody just feels more supported and loved and encouraged and built up. Everybody in our membership is going to be prayed for all the time. It's, hey, membership has its privileges. Do you know what I'm saying? Here's, here's, the, here's, the, here's a very somber, important point I'm making. The Bible says that I am responsible for your spiritual welfare. So when I'm talking about family, uh, spiritual family, I, I'm not just throwing words out there. If, as a physical parent, you have responsibility for your children. You know that, right? All right, so as a spiritual family, God sees it the same way. So I need to know who's in my family. That's why membership is a big deal. It's not to put pressure on anybody to do anything. It's so that we know Okay, you're entrusting your spiritual care to this body of believers, to me as your pastor, and to these as your elders to care for you and to coach you and to train you and to equip you and to heal you and to help you. It's pretty serious. Okay? So when you become a member, I'm, I'm what, I, what, I, what God's been saying to me is, you need to take care of these people, okay? It's like a shepherd, right? 
That's what I am. I'm an under-shepherd. Jesus is the great shepherd. But he appoints under-shepherds to care for his people. And so I want to do a better job of caring for you. And so I'm going to raise up more people to help me do that so that nobody is alone. Everybody has somebody all the time. That's, what, that's the heart behind it. Does that make sense? And I hope that you feel encouraged by it. You always will have someone to talk to. You can always get advice. You, you can always have a, a very quick path right to the, the eldership and, and get whatever help you need because we'll be more organized and we'll be better to, equipped to care for everybody's needs. That's, that's the heart. So I really want to see our church deepened and strengthened in the Lord this year. The vision of this church is you getting to know God fully. And when that happens, and that happens for you and me and her and you and him and that, you know, this church comes alive. And then life just like, you know, explodes out of us. So um, this morning, I want to invite our elders that are here. Would you guys please come forward? This morning as we leave, um, if you have anything that you just need some encouragement or prayer for, um, our elders are here to just bless you and to pray for you and encourage you. But also, my challenge to you from the message is, where are you and what's your next step? You are not destined to just hit cruise control. You're not just treading water. We're going after God, right? We're growing. We're moving. What's your next step? Maybe your next step is to come to the Bible study or a life group or to celebrate recovery. Uh, maybe come to our membership class. Maybe come to the growing leaders. Maybe step in, in to ministry and start to serve. But what is your next step? Take it. Move forward in the plans and purposes of God. Okay, would you stand with me, please? And I want to pray with you as we close our service this morning. If you're here and you need to make a decision to make Jesus the Lord of your life, you haven't done that yet. But you're here and you know that that's something that you're ready to do. I want to pray a prayer for you to get right with God. It doesn't matter what you've done. Jesus paid for our sins. Nobody can save himself. Jesus said that to the rich young man who came before him and said, what do I got, what do, I got to do to have eternal life? And Jesus said, well, obey the commands because he knew this guy was focused on the law. I said, well, I've done all that. Jesus, okay, let's start with command number one. <laughs> Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Sell your money. Get rid of it because you're worshiping your money. Oh, I can't do that. And he goes away sad. And his disciples are like, oh, man, Jesus, who can be saved? And Jesus said, it's impossible with man. It's impossible with man. Nobody can be saved. Nobody. That guy tried everything he could to, to follow all the rules. And then when Jesus exposed his true heart, he couldn't do it. But Jesus said, but with God, all things are possible. Only God can save. No, it's never been about you towing the line or measuring up. It's never been about that. It's always been about you coming to the end of yourself and surrendering to Jesus as Lord. That's the gospel, the good news. You were never me meant to measure up. You're meant to just surrender and trust in him. If you're ready to trust in the Lord today for the forgiveness of your sins, to come home to him, come into the family of God, I want to lead you in this prayer. Would you bow your heads, please? If that's you, just lift your hand. Say, Pastor, that's me today. I'm giving my life to Jesus. I'm getting right with him today. So anybody here? Say, Pastor, I need to do that. That's me. I'm praying this prayer today with you. Anybody? 
Okay, I'm believing everybody in this room is saved. Now, if you're not, you don't have to do it right now with me. You need to do it, though. You need to surrender your heart to God. You can do it anytime, any way. At a moment's notice, give your heart to Him. Okay, let me pray for us. Lord, I thank you for today. Jesus, I thank you that you rule and you reign. You've defeated every enemy against us. You have equipped us to be free from our sin. You have given us this great family to help us, your Holy Spirit, and your Holy Word to fill us with life and freedom and fullness and purpose. And I pray the blessing of all of these saints upon each one here this morning in Jesus' name. Let this church be alive. Let each one of us come alive in your plans and purposes for us, Lord. That we would shine like the stars in the sky. That, Lord, we would be fruitful. That we'd be like a city on a hill because of the great things you have done and are doing in our hearts and in our lives. And, Lord, whatever we are contending with right now, let us lift our eyes to you, to whom our help comes from. May we see the red line in our lives that your plan, your redemptive work is still taking place in our lives. May we believe and trust, Lord, that the greatest is yet to come for our lives because we're trusting in you. Lord, I I just thank you for this church, for blessing us and for giving us such a wonderful family to live life with. Thank you, Lord. May you continue to increase in us uh, the kingdom of God. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. May he empower you to take whatever next step that you're taking. May you find more of him as you walk out your faith in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day as you go. If you want some prayer, please come forward. We'd love to pray with you guys. I encourage you. We